All right, so glad to be with you, uh, with you guys uh, today. Bring you a lesson from Paul's pen. We'll be in First Timothy uh, today as we continue that look through the the letters of of the great apostle Paul. I um, uh, appreciate the invitation to be here, and I appreciate you guys keeping on track with the summer series in spite of the pandemic and. Uh, uh, that's what we do. We march on. We're all making adjustments through this period. And I'm from the Park Avenue Church of Christ in Denison, Texas, just up the road here. And, and we've had to make adjustments uh, as well. And uh, this really kind of took us by surprise, not meeting. We're back together wearing masks, but uh, doing a lot of online content uh, as well. But for about 10 weeks, we weren't meeting together and had to produce something for our congregation and... Uh, we were not prepared for that at all. I was not in front of the camera uh, much at all. We would audio uh, record the sermons and put those online. But, uh, but after a while, you know, we're on Facebook, YouTube, and, and other social media uh, outlets. And so I got this meme from someone, one of our members, that, uh, that I thought was a little humorous here. And just like that, my pastor turned into a televangelist. And so that's that's what happened. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I didn't know if we'd take that as a compliment or an insult. But, uh, but nevertheless, I appreciate uh, this church here, churches around the world that are plowing through this, learning new strategies, learning new technologies, and uh, so pleased and blessed that the Word of God is still going out there. So I'm really honored and pleased uh, to be with you uh, today. As I said, we're going to be in 1 Timothy as we continue this, this series through the letters uh, of the Apostle Paul. Uh, as we get to this letter, we kind of have a change in style from the previous letters that you guys have been uh, reading through and studying. Uh, 1 Timothy, unlike the rest of the letters that we've uh, uh, seen previously is not to a church, but it's to an individual. Um, all the other ones have been to groups of people. Uh, this one, Paul, gets a little bit more personal as he addresses one particular person. Now, granted, Timothy is a minister at a church. We'll talk more about that later, but, uh, but a little bit different. So, so we'll see a little different tone, a little different style in this letter and also in 2 Timothy and Titus and then even Philemon. But 1 Timothy starts a, um, a section of Scripture that is often referred to as the pastoral epistles where Paul is kind of sharing his knowledge, his experience with some people that are very close to him, companions of him in the spread of the gospel. And, uh, and so these letters are written to ministers or pastors that are, are leading uh, a church and giving them some advice and some insight into how to handle the challenges that they are, are facing. And so really, this, these letters are really um, uh, effective and powerful for, um, for ministers, people that are leading uh, churches. But I think we'll also find in First and Second Timothy and Titus and even Philemon, uh, some strategies that everyone can use as we find ourselves in different, uh, in different situations. So it's to an individual, not so much deep doctrines like we see in some of these other letters, especially in Romans. I mean, really, Paul drills down into sanctification, redemption, and, and all of those theological terms. Uh, not to say that 1 Timothy is devoid of any doctrine, but it, he doesn't go into as much detail as some of these uh, great doctrines of the Christian faith that, that you've experienced up to this, uh, this point. 
And then also in 1 Timothy, there was a little um, kind of uh, an instructional or a more official uh, approach to this letter. It's kind of dealing on how to do church, how to deal with uh, the issues that that church uh, is, uh, is, uh, is facing. All right, just some facts of the letter. And as I approach this, I, I just kind of want us to, to kind of step back and instead of just drilling down into one particular passage, it's kind of get a feel for the overall tone of this letter from Paul uh, to Timothy. But just a few facts. Uh, as I've already mentioned, it's written by the Apostle uh, Paul. Most people uh, theorize or the, the uh, consensus as to where Paul was when he wrote this letter is that he was in Macedonia after his first Roman imprisonment. When we get to the book of Acts, the book of Acts ends kind of abruptly. Paul goes to Rome, he's in prison. And we really don't know outside of the, uh, uh, or within the biblical uh, text, what happens to Paul after his first Roman imprisonment. But from some letters and some documents that, um, that early church leaders wrote after the period of the uh, biblical text, uh, as we try to reconstruct that, it appears that Paul was released from that first Roman imprisonment that we read about in the book of Acts. And it was during this period of time that he's in Macedonia, probably in the mid-60s, between 62 and 66, I think most people think, is when Paul wrote this first letter to Timothy. Now, Paul is going to be imprisoned again after that first release, and most people think that that's when he wrote 2 Timothy from his second imprisonment in Rome. So it's about the mid-60s, and he's writing to this man whose name is Timothy. Now, we could just go into a lot of detail about who Timothy is. I'm just going to scratch the surface on that. But Timothy and Paul have this very close-knit, very personal relationship. And you can see that right off the bat in 1 Timothy 1 and verse 2, where he refers to Timothy as my true son in the faith. Again, you read through the book of Acts, you can see the conversion of Timothy in Acts chapter 16. And then Timothy is a companion of Paul on some of his missionary journeys. And it's obvious that Paul has this deep affection for this younger evangelist, uh, Timothy. Also in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 18, uh, he says, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well. So not only is Paul close to Timothy, but Paul really believes that Timothy has great potential for service in the kingdom of God. I mean, it, it seems like early on, People saw Timothy and said, man, there's something good about this guy. This guy's going to be a, a, a leader in the church. And so there were some prophecies, some, some teachings that were made uh, about Timothy. And so Paul not only is very close to Timothy, but he has a lot of confidence that Timothy has been called into the ministry and that he is, uh, he is qualified uh, for this role. And that is evident because Paul leaves Timothy in Ephesus. Now, Ephesus, you, you studied the book of, uh, of Ephesus, that, that letter uh, of Paul. Ephesus is also one of the churches that's mentioned in the early chapters of the book of Revelation as one of those seven churches. So Ephesus has a very special place 
in Paul's heart. It's a very important city, and it's a very important church. Paul spent a considerable amount of time there uh, in Ephesus. He had a lot of close relationships with the church in Ephesus, especially with the elders. We read in Acts chapter 19, where Paul is headed back to Jerusalem. He stops, and he, he arranges for this meeting, a very heartfelt meeting with the elders in the church uh, in Ephesus. And so Paul really must have a lot of faith and confidence in Timothy to give him this appointment at the church in Ephesus. Well, as we go further, I want us to uh, recognize three factors uh, that I want to point out. Factor number one, I already mentioned this, Ephesus is an important church. Now, this is one where we want to get it right. Ephesus is going to have influence throughout that whole region. So it's an important church. Also, I'm sure when you studied the book of Ephesus, you, you uh, recognized and pointed out that it was a center of pagan worship, and it was a place that was not necessarily conducive to the Christian ethic. There was a lot of immorality and a lot of false teaching associated with some of the religions there uh, in Ephesus. So it's an important church, but it's going to be a tough place because there's a lot of different thoughts that are contradictory to the Christian faith. Then the third factor is that Timothy is still a young evangelist. So you got these three factors. Big church, important church, uh, a, a location that is not conducive to the Christian ethic or the Christian teaching. And then you've got this young evangelist who has been given the assignment to lead this church uh, in, in Ephesus. So naturally, Paul has some concerns And he puts those forward right at the beginning of the letter in verses 3 and 4 of uh, of this letter. So Paul says, As I urged you, Timothy, when I went to Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. So there are some issues <laughs> that, that Timothy has to deal with. And Paul wants to help Timothy survive these false doctrines. He wants to help him lead this church through this onslaught of false teaching. So I want to look at three, three, three themes that I think Paul is particularly trying to communicate to Timothy as he deals with these issues And even though these are specific to this particular situation and this particular evangelist, I think each one of these themes can apply to the way that we deal with false teaching, controversies, other difficulties that we experience, uh, trying to live out our Christian faith in not only in the community of the church, but in a community, in a world that is increasingly antagonistic towards the Christian method, met, met, uh, the Christian belief, and the Christian ethic. All right, number one, theme number one is a word that we see often in uh, in First Timothy is the word godliness. In fact, up to this point, throughout all of these letters that you've been studying about Paul, Paul has never used this word godliness, and it's used eight times in First Timothy. Kind of means, I think Paul is trying to emphasize here is that we need to live out our Christian faith. That what we believe impacts how we live. We need to practice our religion. Now this false teaching that is prevalent or making its way into the church in Ephesus. A lot of debate 
about all of the, uh, all of the teachings and all of the aspects and all of the details of this false teaching. And, and we're not going to get into that except to scratch the surface. And it seems as if this false teaching included this unhealthy interest in myths and genealogies and other controversial mysteries. It, it seemed like there was some association with this esoteric knowledge or this mysterious knowledge that Christians were being called. You need to know this in order to be a, a legitimate Christian. And that was producing a lot of controversies and it was probably producing a lot of feelings of elitism among the believers as well. In other words, I know this knowledge and you don't. So I'm a better Christian than you are because I have this, this, uh, uh, this mysterious, uh, this mysterious uh, mystical knowledge. And so there may have been, part of this false teaching is there was too much importance put on knowledge and too little importance on behavior. And even this knowledge, Paul is going to disavow, this is not even knowledge that you need to have. I mean, they're pursuing things that really don't make any difference. But that was the thought. Religion is knowing all of these esoteric and mystical uh, things about the gods and, and myths and genealogies and things like that. So Paul, by emphasizing this word godliness, I think Paul may be saying, hey, in the midst of all these controversies, you guys just need to focus on being good, on living out your religion, and put aside all of this mystical knowledge. Just be good. Like you guys up in, uh, in Denison, we're, we're doing some live streaming now, and we're doing things that we weren't prepared for. And so we have this young man at the church. I mean, he just knows everything. He, he, he knows how to work that. He knows how to put that together. So we've called him in to set up our equipment. And, and so I, I kind of like to know something about it. And so, so I'm watching him set all this up. And so he's setting it up. And, and so he, he gets into all of this information, all of this knowledge, all of this stuff. I don't even, I can't even repeat it because I don't remember what he was talking about. But all of this stuff associated with connecting to the cameras and getting it to the places that we want to get it and, and all this computer stuff, technology stuff. And, and so I tell him, man, David, just tell me the button to press so that we can get this stuff out. I don't need to have all of this knowledge. And even though that's good knowledge, that technological knowledge, Paul recognizes that there is this unhealthy interest in things that really don't make any difference or things that don't really exist. And Paul is saying, listen, put aside all of that. Just live good lives. Pursue godliness. And so when we encounter controversies within the church or within our, with, within our communities with this, uh, like I said, an increasingly antagonistic culture that we live in, and let's focus on being good, on practicing our religion. And any teaching that, that causes us to be hateful, any teaching that causes us to be lazy or elite or to be greedy, he says those things are not good for you. So focus on being good. And I know during this pandemic, I mean, this is, this is stressful, this is difficult. There's a lot of different philosophies about how we handle this, both as just citizens of this world and citizens of the church. Man, let's just, let's just remember, folks, to pursue godliness. All right, so that's one theme. Another theme that we see in 1 Timothy is this, this concept of sound doctrine. And again, this word sound, to qualify doctrine, is only used by Paul in these pastoral letters. I think Peter uses it in his letters, 1 and 2 Peter. But up to this point, Paul has never used that term, sound doctrine. He's used that term doctrine but that qualifier sound has not uh, been used. 
He says, man, there's a lot of teaching going on. There's no lack of teaching in Ephesus. But it's not sound. This word sound, we get the word hygienic or hygiene from. Some, some, it can even be translated uh, healthy or wholesome doctrine. He says, there is a teaching. There are some things that you have to know that are healthy, that are sound, that will be good for you. Let me take you to a couple of those passages. 1 Timothy chapter 1 in verses 8 uh, and 11. He says, we know that the law is good if one uses it properly. We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for the lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, for those practicing homosexuality, for slave traders and liars and perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God which he entrusted to me. Right, he says, so there is this sound doctrine that you need to pursue, that you need to give attention to. Let me take you also to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 3 and 5, 3 through 5. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction, the healthy wholesome instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the godly teaching, they are conceited and understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. All right, so then he's, he emphasizes there is this sound, healthy doctrine. What Paul is saying to Timothy, and I think this is so important to us, so relevant to us right now, is that doctrine is important. And there is a sound doctrine that is going to result in us being healthy and having healthy, wholesome ideas about who God is, which will affect the way that we live our lives. So people, we need to know doctrine. Yeah? We need to know what Christianity is all about. We need to know those core foundational beliefs of Christianity, about who God is. We need to know about sin. We need, about, need to know about holiness, about salvation, about the Holy Spirit, judgment, and so many more. And you don't need to go to college or seminary, but you do need to know the core doctrines of the church. And I feel like in some ways, uh, we as preachers or church leaders have maybe neglected the emphasis or the importance of doctrine in the life uh, of, our, uh, of our church. So I did a sermon series, I think it was a couple years ago, uh, called Strengthening Your Core, Fighting Stability in Our Fundamental Beliefs. And I said, I'm going to preach a series on doctrine. And man, I got some blank looks over the faces of the people out there uh, in the audience. In fact, after several weeks of that sermon series, uh, one person actually came to me and said, you know, Todd, when, when you announced that you were going to preach a series on doctrine, I said, oh, no, that's the last thing. That's so dry and that is so, uh, you know, again, they were not looking forward to it. But she later said, or she said, after you preach that a little while, Man, I started to understand it. I started to understand the importance of, of knowing what we believe and how that affects the kind of people that we are. Man, people, and I, I know this church is, is strong on doctrine, but I want to emphasize, Paul emphasizes to Timothy, man, if you want to make it through this, 
If you want to survive these controversies, you need to know and emphasize the sound doctrines of the church. One of my favorite verses in 1 Timothy is chapter 4 and in verse 16. Paul says, watch your life and doctrine closely. You see how he puts those two together. Life and doctrine. You know, what we believe is going to affect what, how we live out our lives. Those, those are so intricately connected. Persevere in them because if you do, you'll save both yourself and your hearers. All right, so he says, first, godliness is important. You know, just keep doing what is right. And then he says, sound doctrine is important. Make sure you know what you believe. And then a third theme that I, I, I see that Paul is trying to communicate to Timothy is that, man, we need strong leadership. We need strong churches. And one of the things that First Timothy, the pastoral epistles, are best known for is the structure of the church and the organization of the church. And so we see in First Timothy chapter 3, that Paul spends a considerable amount of time giving Timothy instructions on how to appoint the leaders, the elders and the deacons uh, in the church. And I think he does that because he recognizes, man, you have got to have strong leaders. And we need to have, Ephesus needs to be a strong uh, church because strong leadership is so vital to the transmission of the truth. The church is Important, And don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Strong churches are so vital to the mission of the kingdom of God in this world. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Paul says, Although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household which is the church of the living God, and then catch this phrase, underline this phrase, let it impress itself on your heart and your mind, the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Man, could you say it any more powerfully than that, how important the church is for the truth. Man, we need, strong, we need strong leaders, we need strong churches. So let me encourage you, everyone who's watching, uh, watching here is, man, pray for your church. Pray for this church. Pray for your elders. Pray for your deacons. Pray for your ministry staff, especially in these times. Man, we need that strength. Uh, we need to be rooted and grounded in the sound doctrine. And uh, man, it is so, as, as, a, as a preacher myself, I can't tell you enough uh, how encouraging it is and how meaningful it is when someone says, man, I'm praying for you. Keep preaching uh, the gospel. And I, I'm blessed. I get a lot of encouragement. This past week, I preached a sermon from, uh, from Daniel. We're going through a little series there. And I just said, man, we got to stand up for truth. And I, and I started listening to some things, things that would be very controversial outside of church. You know, I said, we need to stand on the truth of what the Bible teaches on these things. And, and man, I, I got several uh, emails and texts just saying, man, we so appreciate you standing up for the truth, for being bold and, and standing on the sound doctrine of what the church teaches. And man, it means so much. And so encourage your leaders, your elders, your ministers, your deacons, all of your church leaders. All right, so that's 1 Timothy. Paul says, Timothy, man, I left you in an important place. This church needs to be strong. And I know there's all kinds of crazy ideas out there. Uh, and, and, I, and I know that you're young. And so I give you this advice. Live good lives. Just be good. 
Pursue godliness. Treat people the way that, they, they, that God wants you to. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Pursue sound doctrine. You know, make sure you really know what you believe in. And then, man, be a part of a strong church. And make sure you're, you're lifting up and holding up uh, those leaders. With those th- three things, we can survive the godlessness and the false teachings, whether it's in Ephesus, whether it's in North Texas, or wherever you are, those are three core truths, strategies that all of us can use to be the people of God, the church that God wants us to be. Let me leave you with this uh, uh, near the end of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6, 11 through 16. I love Paul. Every once in a while, Paul will just break out in this word of praise. We call them doxologies. And this is one of the most beautiful doxologies that we have in the writings of Paul. And it it just kind of, you read this and you're just encouraged. You're just reminded about how powerful and awesome and beautiful uh, God is and how we've been called to partner with him in letting the world know about who he is and how we can be right uh, with him. So let me, I'm going to read this, and this is my prayer for you. Paul's words to Timothy, Paul's words to you. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. To him be honor and might forever. Amen.